What's up, guys? Your host, founder, and creator of The Athlete Confidential, Gabby Ewing here, and you are listening to The Athlete Confidential Podcast. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world who's going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a different way. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in my description. It's betterhelp.com slash athlete confidential. That's betterhelp.com slash athlete confidential. Clicking that link helps support this channel, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with the therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating, if you don't really fit with that therapist, which is a common thing in therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. As someone who has personally used BetterHelp, it's easy for me to recommend them to you. It's convenient, it's easy, and it is really affordable. The Athlete Confidential wants to provide you with the best resources for getting better, navigating life, and dealing with all of the challenges, stress, and mental health issues that may come with sport. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com slash athleteconfidential. That's betterhelp.com slash athleteconfidential for 10% off your first month. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this channel. Adrian, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Gabby. It's great to see you this morning. Yes, I am so excited, everyone. This is Dr. Adrian Ferreira, therapist and sports psychology consultant. He has a private practice called A Journey Forward, where he works with athletes and focuses on athlete mental health and performance. So we are really lucky to have him today and get to pick his brain. Awesome. Awesome. I think I'm the lucky one. I've always seen you on Instagram. I'm like, wait, you're doing some great stuff, sharing some great stories about athletes. It's like, oh, cool. Happy to be a part of it. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Adrian, we always start with a mental health check-in. So how Mm. is your mental health today? Today, I think I'm fighting some type of um, allergies and seasonal changes happening right now. But at the end of the day, I'm going to figure it out. Hopefully get some more sleep later on today. I've had about three oranges. (laughs) Those have been super helpful, making sure I eat and staying hydrated. But overall, I'm good. Nice. I'm with you on the allergy thing. And I swear I try everything. And I'm I'm anti- take a pill to mm-hmm. for my solution. So I've been trying like local honey. I've heard like if you mm. consume local honey to your I've area, yeah, it's supposed to help. So I've been doing I've been putting it in my coffee every morning, which I know we were just talking about my fancy coffee I make every morning. <laughs> but I've been doing honey in my coffee. So we'll see if that starts helping or not. I'll let you know. All right. Maybe I should get some honey after this too. That's a good reminder. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Um Before we get into everything, I also wanted to kind of ask you a little fun question about yourself. Go for it. What's up with the skating? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Good call out. The skating, skateboarding started for me when COVID happened, right? It was a time where everything shut down for a minute and I was 36 at the time. And I found myself challenging my athletes to always get outside of their comfort zone. And then someone actually kind of called me out and I'm, hey, Dr. Adrian, what do you do to get out of your comfort zone? I was like, that's a oh. great question. <laughs> I used to be an athlete so many years ago, but um, as I look back on my years, I actually kind of started longboarding when I was in undergrad for a project for school and started surfing as well. And always had this fascination with skating. So 36 happened, maybe kind of. I don't want to say midlife crisis, but I wanted to try something new. I teach athletes about these sports psychology skills. Does it really work? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that mm -hmm. was the question that I had to figure out. Um, and yes, it does work. And since then, I, I bought a program called Skateboarding Made Simple to teach you how to skateboard and learn different tricks. And since then, I've been on this mission to try to learn how to kickflip. Unfortunately, I've had some injuries, a couple surgeries. So... I'm in that place right now of, can I still go do it? We may talk about this later. Like, do I still want to go pursue it? Or when do I call it quits and say, hey, I'm done? I love that. You're like totally practicing what you preach. And you are, you are definitely getting a taste of what your athletes are going through. I mean, with injuries and everything. So I think that's really cool. 1000%. <laughs> I think that's the frustrating part too, of like, I know what to do as a clinician. Go do it. What's the plan that you need to do? What's the outline? Go make it happen from the breathing, mm -hmm. the visualization. Who's your coach? Who's going to help you? Where do you find the time to do it as a professional, as a dad? But if it's something you want to do, you'll find time to do it. Yeah, I really, really like that. I can relate to you a little bit. So I retired from competitive sport mm -hmm. and I was kind of in a position where I did I I still play soccer a little bit, but mm -hmm not the same that I used to, but I was like, I kind of want to start something new, like to challenge myself. Right. And so I started golfing. What? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I've really enjoyed it, but it ha it's been so challenging. It's, it like checks my ego often, very often, <laughs> but it's, you know, you're starting from square one, you feel like you're an elite athlete and then you go and try something else and you're like, wow, I know nothing. Right. What's the most challenging part for you? I think golf is a difficult sport, just so you know. Uh, for those who can do it and do it at a high level, mad respect to them. Oh, yes. I have gained so much respect for golfers. I mean, I kind of had an idea it was challenging, but not to the extent um, now that I'm actually participating in it. Mm -hmm. But I think the most challenging for me is just the patience. You know, it's mm. very, it's slow paced. You really have to focus on every single shot I'm still a beginner, so most of mm -hmm. my shots are not good. Mm -hmm. So not getting frustrated with myself is really hard. And just like the slow pace in general. You know, I'm used to being yeah. fast paced and competitive and being with Change of direction. Yeah, exactly. It's like couldn't be more opposite than soccer. Yeah. Well, stick with it. I love that you talk about patience because I'm sure that's going to help with consistency at some point. And just taking it one shot at a time is what a big piece of it is. Yeah, I think patience is also just something I need to work on personally in my everyday life. So that's kind of why I, mm -hmm, I kind of why I wanted to get into golf to kind of give me a way to work on patience. How's that working for you? It's I 
I think it's helping a little okay, bit. Okay, good. I think. <laughs> good, good. I'm sure it is. You'll, you'll see yeah. it come to fruition at some point. And yeah, exactly. I think that's one of the things I've talked to some of my athletes about. Of They want it now and they want to see the results now. But even with patience, right? Like, how do you train patience? Wait. Yeah. Be patient and mm-hmm. trust the process that it's going to work out at some point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, cool. exactly. Okay. Let's dive into this. So I want to get a little bit of background on your work. So for people that don't know what a therapist or sports psychology consultant is, can you just give us a little rundown of what it is you do exactly? If I were to keep it short and sweet, my job is to help athletes become self-aware so they can self-regulate and they can be the best athletes and people that they can be on the field, in the pool, on the track, whatever surface it may be. A lot of my work is individually with athletes primarily. Um, I've had the opportunity to work at three different Division I universities from Auburn University, West Virginia, University of Washington, in addition to working down at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, working with special operations soldiers. And a lot of it is helping people um, either get through mental blocks, that may be an easier way to say it, and figure out a way to perform at their best and also consistently do it to get the results that they want. I think that's a really good explanation of what you do. And it it shows how versatile you can be, right? Mm -hmm. With athletes, um, to non-athletes, to people, you know, all across the board. Yeah. And I I never thought I would work with uh, soldiers, but it was probably one of the better opportunities of my career where it really, again, like helped me get out of my comfort zone. Like I'm a former athlete, been trained as athlete, went to grad school, worked with athletes. Now it was, okay, how do I take the knowledge that I know? as a sports therapist and go translate that within to the military population. Do you feel like working with that group soldiers has helped you with your athletes or how has it kind of like helped you work with athletes better? That's a great question. I think it has helped me to realize that I have to be more adaptable and be able to, I, I was talking with another colleague about this where I can probably write a dissertation on certain things, but in the moment, I have to be able to give the nugget that the person needs within that moment. And then we almost broke it down as the dissertation can be the king size Snickers, right? Or the king size candy bar. Um, Maybe a presentation is a regular size candy bar. The fun size Snickers is here's a little bit more of a nugget. And a little bit of research behind it. But in the moment, here's a nugget that you need to figure out, right? Like maybe it's something as simple as where are your thoughts? Where does it need to be? Okay, go do that. I think that's a really good analogy. Yeah. And it's really a lot of our work was in the field, right? So I don't have time. They're doing a training exercise. So how do I condense my years of training and knowledge that I have and compartmentalize it and give it to someone where they can digest it? and use it and apply it as fast as possible so they can go exceed and excel within their um, skill, their training that they're doing. So how did you get into this? Uh, (laughs) I was actually in 11th grade. Some people think I'm lying when I say that, but I was in high school. For some reason, I don't know why, people would always tell me like their issues that were happening and things that were happening in their life and almost ask me for advice. And me, 11 year old, 11th grade self, like, why are you asking me? Like, I don't know much, <laughs> but I think I've came to the conclusion that I can be empathetic. I can listen to people, understand where they're coming from and almost connect the dots. 
And I was fortunate to have a psychology class when I was actually in high school. Like that's not common for many. And there was a small section that talked about sports psychology. And obviously as an athlete at that time, I kind of perked up. I was like, wait, I know I want to work with athletes. I don't want to coach. How do I stay involved with sport in some way, shape or form? How do I help people? I heard our instructor talk about sports psychology and someone helping Shaquille O'Neal shoot free throws. It was like, wait a minute, <laughs> someone helps you shoot free throws and they don't do like X's and O's. My brain doesn't comprehend X's and O's and movement at that time or at that speed. But I was like, wait, I can help you unlock something in your brain to help you go perform better. Yes. Sign me up. And from, from then uh, studied psychology in undergrad. I did my senior thesis sport driven and looked at uh, athletes preferences to coaching behaviors and leadership. And that allowed me to get into grad school at Boston university, um, world one experience leaving California and then going to the freezing cold of Boston, got trained by some amazing mentors who were there, met some great colleagues who were still in contact with some of those colleagues have hired me or got me connected with other people for other jobs. Uh, and it, it's been a ride since, and I'm privileged to be in the position where I've done it for so long since, uh, started grad school in 2006. And it's just been a fun experience. And I've had a privilege and I say privilege. I don't take that lightly of learning the inner workings of what's happening with an athlete, right? Some of the things that people share with me, they've never shared it with their parents, never shared it with their coach, never shared it with their spouse. I'm like, why are you sharing this with me? You can help me. All right, cool. <laughs> if you believe I'm the person who can help you or I can be the sounding board, I can push you, I can challenge you. It's a privilege for me to help you. And even just asking, I think is a big piece for athletes where we're almost trained to suck it up, tough it out, figure it out on your own. But to ask for help is almost like a, a no-no. And it's like the whisper within sports. Um, so knowing that someone is brave enough to ask for help and I get to be that person that they're asking for help is an amazing opportunity for me. Yeah, that's so cool that you have known for so long what you wanted to do and were able to like kind of follow that path. Not a lot of people get to do that. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> Ironically, there was a time where I almost didn't continue. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tell me about I was, that. I was in grad school. And it's dissertation time. And that's when I basically have to figure out a topic I want to write about and probably going to be my specialty area. I don't know if anyone's written one, but for those who have, they understand the arduous process that it is. And at one point I was like, you know what? I want to go coach. I think that may be a better route for me. So I actually took the opportunity to go work some sports camps during the summer. This is while I'm doing my PhD. I should be working on dissertations. I'm like, no, I'm going to go coach some high school kids and middle school kids at camp in the summer. Went out to the hoop group camp out in Reading, Pennsylvania, and then quickly realized I better go back home and work on this dissertation. <laughs> and I think I always knew that my brain was going to carry me way farther than my body was going to take me. And even at that camp, I remember I had just tweaked my ankle, ironically, and I'm on one ankle trying to coach kids and teach them how to do drills. I'm like, I, I don't think this is the life for me. I don't know if I want to be traveling as much and doing all the recruiting. I'm like, this isn't the life. But I think that opportunity just gave me some more exposure, learning about other careers that are out there. And then really helped me solidify it. I got to go work on the dissertation, get that done and go do what I was supposed to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Dissertations are no fun. I've written one one time. Mm-hmm. It is a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of work. What was yours on? Mine was on uh, the effect of social media influencers on body image within amongst athletes, female wow. athletes. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty it interesting. Made- yeah, it's a topic that I, I was really interested in at the time. I mm-hmm. mean, still still am. Um, so doing the actual research and everything was really cool. And I enjoyed that. But then sitting down and writing 30 plus pages. Right. Yeah. I no. realized I'm a talker. I'd rather talk and listen as opposed to write. But there's some parts of my job I do have to write. So yes, same. I'm right there with you. So your your line of work or your practice, you focus on athlete mental health and performance. So talk right. to us a little bit about what that connection actually is, because I think sometimes people don't view them as being cohesive. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely a continuum of performance, um, whether it be mental health, whether it be sports psychology performance setting. I think the best example that I've probably come up with is mental health overall is health, right? Let's just speak mental health. And if we were to give an example, it's Let's say an athlete tweaks their ankle, right? Nothing major, but like tweak their ankle. Can they still go perform? Can they still go play? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Most athletes are going to say, yeah, tie it up, uh, tape it up and let's go. Similar with, uh, let's take a mental health disorder. If maybe anxiety, maybe depression, maybe nothing severe. Can an athlete still go play and perform? Yes. Will it be a little bit harder? Maybe it could be just like playing on a tweaked ankle is probably going to be a little bit harder as opposed to I feel full strength and full go. Right. So I almost take that approach of how do we make sure someone's healthy enough to go compete at their best? And it's almost where if you tweak your ankle, you're going to go meet with your athletic trainer, meet with your physical therapist. They're going to give you some exercises to do. You're going to do all those reps. You're going to do all those sets. You're going to get better. You're going to follow the protocol and hopefully there's no slide tackle that comes and takes you out again, (laughs) right? For those who play soccer or don't tweak it again, (laughs) but hopefully you build up the strength and the resilience to um, weather that impact. Similar as I think about me as a therapist, sports psychology consultant, my job is to understand the entire situation of what you could be thinking or feeling emotionally, physically, what's the plan we need to create. What are the skills and strategies we need to learn and I need to teach to make sure you get it? So you can go play your sport and feel more 100% or maybe 90% confident in your ability to go perform. Um, even if we take like the sports psychology piece just a little bit more, athletes always talk about I'm, I'm weak in one area, I'm strong in this area. At some point in the off season, you may work with your strength and conditioning coach for what? To get stronger, get faster. All right, we can do the same thing with the mental side. I meet with several athletes who know that they're good, their mental health is great, no mental health disorders, and they're like, hey, there's some areas I still want to get better in. Can you help me with that? Yes, definitely can. And it's, all right, let's figure out the process. Let's figure out the program. What's the regimen that we need to get you on? Things we need to talk about and conversations we need to have so you can go be the best athlete you can be. So what would you say are some of the co- most common themes that you see amongst the athletes you work with? Common have probably been confidence, fear of failure, and performance anxiety. <laughs> um, I, it's always interesting where I think for some athletes, confidence goes out the window when they have a bad game or they start missing shots. Uh, for some reason, I work with a lot of basketball players probably because I played basketball. Um, but I definitely have worked with other sports as well where it's 
knowing that you're good in high school, and then I make that jump and I'm now playing in college, whether it be Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, we're now at a new level. For you to be a college athlete, one is a privilege and everyone is not there. But if you are there, that means you've done something really good and really special. But now you're also working with the special people who got the opportunity to play Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. So now your baseline has changed. I used to be the best one in my town, best one in my state, best one in my city. Now I'm not. Now, now what do I do? How do I change? How do I adapt? What do I need to learn? Like, why is everyone so much better than me? Sorry, the, the senior who's a captain has four years on you. Maybe they have five years because they got a COVID year. <laughs> right. Right. Or maybe they redshirted one year. Um, but yeah, these are, they have more experience, more training than you. Uh, and sometimes just helping someone understand that is a big part of what I've done. Of It doesn't mean you're bad as an athlete. It just means you have to train some things or change some things within your life. Maybe train a little bit differently, think a little bit differently so you can now go excel. It doesn't mean you're not good. It just means you have to get better. Yeah. So would you say that it's a good idea for athletes, maybe even at the high school level, if they're thinking about going to college to start, you know, working with a psychologist or some sort of consultant to help kind of prep them before they even get to that point? I believe it can be useful if you have that resource and you, you can, um, I don't want to say afford it, but I think like it's, it's like any service. Most athletes who want to play at that level, they're probably going to use some type of skill coach, some type of speed coach, some strength and conditioning coach, maybe a dietitian. We're a part of that equation as well, right? Like how do you use it? What are the, maybe there's a book you can start reading to start engaging your mind differently or thinking about different techniques. Um, I, I think about anything like the mind is a muscle. The more we can start to train it, the better we can use it. Do you want to use that muscle before you get to college? So it's a little bit easier. And if you can do it, go do it. Yes. But if you can't, how do you continue to use those resources if they're available to you or go seek them out? But I think the hard part for some people is one, I think our field is trying to do a better job of marketing what we do. And how do we make it more accessible to other people, but also feel the fairness where we can get compensated at the same time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a hurdle that a lot of people face on both sides, people seeking mm -hmm. the service and people providing the service. Mm -hmm. Is there any? But there, I think there's a lot of free resources too. Like, don't underestimate the power of like these podcasts where some of my colleagues have shared a lot of tips and tricks, right? Let uh, me not even say tricks, but strategies and tools and resources. Several books that are out there that you can start diving into, whether it be uh, Heads Up Baseball. It's, it's, that's an old one. Some of my other colleagues have written some books. I should probably send you a list of some things that we can give to the readers later or the listeners Definitely. later. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to share that. Mm -hmm. Um. I do want to jump into some resources more specifically later, but I want to touch on the strategy part. You mentioned it a little bit. Are there any strategies that you can kind of share with us um, that really help athletes just maybe from a general sense, or if you want to give us some specific examples? I'll, I'll start big general. Don't underestimate the power of how you talk to yourself. How you talk to yourself is going to be important. You're going to hear your voice more than anyone else's. You're going to be in your head when you're playing the game. You may hear your coach in the background chirping, right? But at the end of the day, like, what's the voice that you're hearing? Is that 
voice always critical? Are they negative? Or I don't want to say you have to have a positive voice all the time, but do you have an effective voice? Is it encouraging? And and what are those encouraging things that you need to hear? Um, Some clients who struggle with how they talk to themselves, I often ask the question, all right, you're saying you're the worst player ever. You don't deserve to play. Would you go say those same things to your teammate? The answer is a resounding no. So if you're not going to talk to your teammate like that, why would you talk to yourself like that? Sometimes that's a light bulb moment. Okay. So now if you were going to say something to your teammate who's struggling, what would you say? Hey, I would say, keep pushing, keep working, trust the process. This is all part of the plan. Whatever those things are like, okay, let's go adopt those. Let's that become our new narrative that we need to hang on to in the moment, specifically when it's tough and it's challenging. And can we even practice those throughout the day? Like take a moment, take 30 seconds, maybe write those things out and go read it at some point in your day. So we start to believe it, get it ingrained in our head. And those are the things that we are continuously hearing as opposed to the critical voice or the negative voice that's not helping us perform. I think that self-talk is a big one. Yeah, I would agree on that. And I know people talk about, you know, talking to yourself in the mirror and it sounds really silly, but <laughs> right. that's, that's something that I did as an athlete and I've adopted okay. into my regular life. And sometimes it's about being an athlete and, and that kind of self-talk, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just self-talk about anything I do because it all translates right into sport. Mm-hmm. If I, if I think that I'm unworthy outside of sport, most likely I'm going to think I'm unworthy yeah. sport as well. So I, I would encourage people, I know it sounds silly, it seems really uncomfortable and awkward when you're mm-hmm. talking to the mirror, but also it's just you, like no one else is there. Right. What, what are some yourself. things you used to say to yourself? So I would go through like a list of things, um, mm-hmm. depending on if it was a, a game day or not. So okay. game days, I would be really specific. And so I would talk about like act, like plays that I was going to make okay, and things I was going to do. So I'd say I'm I'm better than my... Um, opponent and to me in my head that meant like the per- whoever I was matched up with in right. the midfield I was a midfielder so okay. I was like I'm I'm better than them I'm gonna outwork them today Ooh, and then I, sometimes you have you just have a bad skill day or technical day or whatever but I could always you know outwork and out hustle the person next right. to me those are just like kind of my specific game day ones I'm trying to think I mean I would say like you're gonna score today you are you're strong you're fast you're athletic those are the kinds of things I'll say to myself mm-hmm. on game day I'm trying to think back it's and if I hear you saying some things, it's almost like these are definites. These are certain. Mm-hmm. These are for sure. It's not fluff. You know, you've done the work. You know, you can do these things. And I think it's interesting when people try to almost use fluff as like their self-talk. I'm like, why would you do that? That's not accurate. That's not going to help you in the moment. And I think one of the um, sayings that I always remember from working with the military is in stressful situations, you're never going to rise to the occasion. You're probably going to fall back to your level of training. So if you train yourself to speak negatively, speak ineffectively to yourself, that's what you're going to go to in the moments that matter most. So why don't we train it a different way and figure out what we need to say that's going to be most productive and encouraging and push you along the way and what is really true and what's reality. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point of actually figuring out how to talk to yourself as well. Because I think mm-hmm. that's... That's something that I I feel like I just heard it on a podcast or maybe I read about it. Like no one told me this was something that I should mm-hmm. do specifically, mm-hmm. but it's something that 
that works. Like it, it really does. I think some people are non-believers, but it really, really works. And it's interesting to see some different athletes of like, who's their foundation. And I think parents have a huge role in this piece, just so you know, of how do you talk to your kids? How do you talk to them when you pick them up after the game? How do you talk to them just in general? What are the things that you're saying? Are you encouraging? Are you picking them up? Are you giving them the tools? A lot of that starts at home. I have two small children now. I am so conscious of what I say, how I say it. I have a daughter as well. And it's like, all right, you, you talked about your dissertation with like body image. My words matter. I don't want the voice that I may say something wrong. I don't want that to be her now inner voice that she's hears. If she decides to become an athlete and she's thinking about her body, but I know I have a role in this. So I have to be very conscious of what I say. Yeah, I agree. I think that goes also to coaches and yep. anyone involved <laughs> in, in, you know, in right. the athletes every day. I think that there are some people that are involved, whether they're a coach, athletic trainer, nutritionist, they mm-hmm. might not even realize how much of an impact that they have on an athlete. They're like, oh, she's yeah. another another person coming through my doors or I'm going to only going to have them for one season or, or whatever it may be. But yeah. yeah, those things, they, they stick. There are a lot of things that I, to this day, remember very clearly coaches, mm-hmm. teammates. Same. And I, I graduated in 2006 me. and some of our friends, we still joke about some things coaches have said because that's the one statement that stands out in their mind. And mm-hmm. they remember that moment. Everyone knows that moment. And we're like, man, that really messed you up. I wish we can get that moment back, but we yeah. can't. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes coaches in the moment is almost like, um, I don't want to say lose their crap, but emotions are high, right? So how do we also self-regulate? I think that's a big piece of what I teach my clients, um, some coaches as well, of how do we know what emotions we have at that moment? How do we channel those? How do we focus those? I do a lot of breathing and mindfulness work with my clients and it's amazing to see like what can happen just after five minutes of just focusing on your breath. I know the research is going to say like go practice for 20 minutes per day. But some people don't have 20 minutes, but you have five. If you can practice for five and do five times a week, at least you got 25 minutes in. That's 25 minutes of mental training, right? 25 minutes of practicing how to regulate yourself. So in the game or in competition, I at least can be more confident that I can regulate myself if I'm getting nervous. Right. I think, yeah, I think also it's good to recognize that we're also not perfect. We're all a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we are going to say something that we don't mean, especially like you said, when emotions are high, heat of the moment, I can remember so many times that I let something slip to a teammate or a teammate Mm -hmm. let something slip to me. And we, I didn't mean it Mm -hmm. the way that it came out. um, But making sure that you follow up on that, have a conversation with them, apologize if an apology is needed, not just letting it, you know, go under the rug because it might've had a real impact on them, but making Mm -hmm. sure that they know, Hey, you know, I'm sorry that I should have never said that I didn't mean it this way, or I'll work on that. You know, that won't happen again. I don't actually feel that way, whatever it may be. I think that is just as important as watching what you say, because we're not perfect. Things are going to Slip and out. it's just like you're repairing the relationship and it's okay to go repair the relationship. But if I just let it fester, then it'll build and then come to a head at some point. And I don't think anyone wants that. Yeah. I'd say the last strategy that, um, there, there's several, but one that I started to use in my skateboarding practice, I 
kind of helped Nathy with it. And now it's also helped me as well is when you watch film with your coaches, they're probably going to rip everything apart or give you the critiques. They're going to give you the feedback. One, learn how to take the feedback. If you can learn how to take the feedback, it's just feedback. They're not trying to come at you and say you're the worst player ever. Hopefully they never say that. Um, some people do say that to motivate. I don't think that works, but it's feedback. It's information, right? Take the critique. They're trying to help you. But also when you watch film for your, on your, on your as you watch film by yourself, go find the good things that you're doing. Go find the little piece that is getting just a little bit better. Go hunt it, go find it. Because I've, I've worked with an athlete before who would watch film and they would leave and they'll be more frustrated. And then they'll come back the next day and just watch all the negative things they did. But that's all that's replaying in their mind as they go to bed. That's all that's replaying throughout the day. So we just made a simple switch of, all right, film session's over. You did all your critiques. You saw everything. Great. For the last two minutes, go watch some of the good things that you did. What did you do well? Go watch those things. So now those are some of the lasting memories that you have, but it's not also that you're just looking at the bad stuff. We're also going to find the good things so you can remind yourself that you're making progress. You're doing the right things. You're on the right track. I really like that. It kind of reminds me of that. I feel like we're taught this in like elementary, maybe middle school, like the compliment (laughs) sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it's a video compliment. <laughs> yeah. What are the good things that I'm doing? I can't just get the meat of everything is bad. You go look for some good things that you're doing. And I've seen that with my skateboarding, right? And, and it can be something as little of, I now see myself sliding my, speaking of kickflips, right? I see myself sliding my foot up and flicking my toe just a little bit more. And I can go back to other videos and say, you know what? I wasn't really flicking. I was kind of just sliding. But, oh, I'm doing the flick now. Okay, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting closer. That's it. Keep going. Keep going. And now that's what my internal dialogue becomes as opposed to I'm not getting it. I'm never going to get this. This is so hard. Look, that one was bad. No, go find the good. Yeah, I like that connection you just made between the inner dialogue, right? The self-talk and then mm-hmm. how, you're, how you're watching film. Right. And and just like those simple strategies, hopefully there's some high school athletes who want to get to the level. Like these are some simple things that you can do. Doesn't take that much effort, but you have to be intentional. I think that's the key right there is being intentional about it, not just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Is there is there any other strategies that you can think that think of? Um, you know, something I think about is like perspective right? How can you shift your perspective? (laughs) I I do find myself um, helping athletes shift their mindset. And within cognitive behavioral therapy, there's this concept of, why am I blanking right now? Cognitive, cognitive distortions. There it is. Sorry. I don't, I don't know. I blanked out for a second, but there's this concept of cognitive distortions and how we almost see the world And some people are very black and white. It's either right or it's wrong. But within sports, we know what? There's a lot of gray area, right? So I may not be the best, but am I doing the things to become the best athlete that I can be? And sometimes it's just that little shift of maybe I'm not doing everything that's required. Within the first session with an athlete, I love when a coach sends an athlete to me and the athlete's like, 
I don't know why I'm here. My coach just sent me here. They said I got to work on my mental and I got to figure some things out. So I'm probably going to ask about six different S's. How sleep? How school? How's your sport? Are you using any substances? Any thoughts of suicide? Who's in your support network? All of those S's are going to impact an athlete. If you're not sleeping well, it's going to be hard to train. Right. If we're using too many substances, not just alcohol, but other things as well, how is that going to impact you on the field? How is that going to impact you when you recover? Is that going to lead to more injuries? Who's in your support network? Who are the people that are in your ear? Are, what are they saying to you? Are they causing you more stress, more anxiety, or are they helping you, lifting you up and being the support people they're supposed to be? Are there any self-harming behaviors, right? That that if there are, there may be something more that's happening. And I'll be curious to know what's pushing you in that direction to have to hurt yourself. Um, school, as you're a college athlete, high school athlete, maybe pro athlete who's still like trying to finish school. Is that another stressor for you? Do you not feel confident as you go into the classroom um, or as you're doing certain work? Are you not doing well? Is that another factor that's coming into play? And then how's your sport? I love it. Some people hate it. To be honest, some athletes at the college level, they hate it at some point. Some people want to quit. I think the parts that have been hurtful for me or like, I mean, not say hurtful, but hurts my heart to see the freshmen come in and they want to quit. <laughs> like, wow, you, you work this hard to get here and you already want to quit. But I think about they're probably burnt out. They realize I'm not as good as I used to be. And if I don't change something, does that mean that I'm not a good athlete? And if their athletic identity is high, meaning they really associate with, I am an athlete. I am Gatorade player of the year in X state. I am five star or um, I'm a national champion or state champion four times in this. That is who I am. Okay. That's part of who you are. Like what else is there to you? I don't know, but now I'm not good. No, you're good. We just have to change some things. And we have to learn some other skills, learn how to see with a different lens of now we're at a new level. Let's go change some things you're doing in training. Let's change how you look at this world and let's go get better. Like, do you believe it's possible? I think belief's a big thing. If you don't believe it's possible, it's going to be really hard. I can totally, and most athletes probably can't relate to that of like getting to college and kind of just being shocked a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I remember something really specific. So when I was in high school, I'm like five, six, five, seven. So I'm, you know, on the taller side right. for a woman. Mm -hmm. I've been, you know, in the weight room since I was in seventh grade. So I'm like fairly oh. strong. Mm -hmm. When I was in high school, I was a bully on the field. Like, nice. you know, just knocking girls over left and right. <laughs> I, I didn't get knocked down very often. And then I got to college mm -hmm. and I got my shit rocked. <laughs> <laughs> many many times and, and it really humbled me same same because <laughs> yeah the, the level oh. of play just goes up exponentially and you don't know what you don't know so right. i had you know i had an idea like this is i'm making a natural step up mm -hmm. right. i'm gonna face some challenges i don't think i'm gonna be the best player on the team by any means so i had some mm -hmm. you know set some realistic expectations for myself right but even with setting those expectations, I was just like, oh my gosh, this really is a whole new 
world yeah, in a lot you get of that ways. First body check, and you're like, oh, what? <laughs> Who hit yeah, me? you're like, okay, I need to get in the weight room a little more, mm-hmm. or you know, figure out my style of play so I'm not getting hit every time I'm on the ball. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to release the ball faster, whatever, whatever it is. So I can totally relate to that, and like getting to college and just being like, oh my gosh, like this is not what I expected and kind of going into shock and, and maybe panic a little bit. And I've gone through a period where I thought maybe I wanted to quit or at the very least transfer. And yeah, I think, I think a lot of athletes struggle with that. So I I think if that's something that you're going through, just know like it's normal in some ways, but you have to, you have to seek help or, you know, change your perspective. And that's what I did. I just had to change my perspective. It was just like, okay, what can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really, like, I think it's a part of a transition, right? Um, anytime we're transitioning, it's going to be new, it's going to be foreign, it's going to be different. I think the hard part is sometimes we don't realize it's a transition. We just think everything is going to be the same. It's still soccer or it's still baseball. Yeah, it is technically, but there are some other components that are factor in at this level. Same thing with athletes who go to college and now they get to be pro. Now we really have people who are trying to eat. Like, this is my livelihood and I'm not going to help you as much. I'm not going to be your friend. Like, I got kids I got to feed. So it, it's a different ball game, and it gets different at every level and there's some nuances that come into play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I These are actually some topics that I wanted to focus on because these are things that my listeners or followers are specifically concerned about. Mm-hmm. We've not really touched on it in other mm-hmm. podcasts or anything. Um, we talked a little bit about like, you know, those athletes that come in and they're just like, I think I want to quit or I think I'm done. What questions do you think that you should ask yourself or should you assess and evaluate before you're actually making the decision to be done with your sport? That's a great question. There's a couple that, that really come to mind that I think about. I had to ask myself these questions too when I was an athlete and I decided to retire. But I think the big ones are, can you physically do it? Do you have the fortitude to go do it physically, get in the weight room every day? Do you have any injuries that are hindering you and holding you back? Can you physically do it? Other one is, can you mentally do it? The 6 a.m.s, the travel, the no sleep, the homework, like, can you mentally do it at the end of the day? And then last question is probably, do you want to do it? If it's a yes to all three of those questions then probably keep going. If one of those questions is a no, or the answer is a no, then I probably have to ask some more questions. There's some bonus questions that you want to follow up with. So let's say there's an athlete who I want to do it. I know I want to, but like mentally, that's going to be a hard thing for me to do because maybe I'm not fully committed. Maybe there's another piece of physically, I've had two knee surgeries or I've had a surgery I'm not sure if my body can hold up. All right. This is something you really want to do. And what's going to be the benefit? Uh, A bonus question I'd probably ask people are, if you were to stop today, could you sleep at night? Like if you were to stop right now, can you sleep? If the answer is yes, okay. Now we can consider a little bit more. Knowing that you've probably done everything you can within your sport And you can walk away feeling almost no regret and feeling like I can go lay my head down every night, not wondering if, man, I should have just gave one more year. I could have just gone just a little bit more. What if? And the what ifs, like, I don't think anyone wants that to plague them. 
Um, if I can think about when I, I was in the year where you can have a graduate transfer. I had one more year out of undergrad. I get to grad school, go to Boston University. And at that point, I was probably in the best shape of my life. Just feel like I figured out basketball and how to actually score, how to play defense. And it was at that moment, I was like, I'm really good. I can physically do this. I can mentally do this. I really want to do this. And I found myself in the coach's office at Boston University, paperwork in hand. And I asked one of the dumbest, smartest questions <laughs> of what time is practice? What time is practice going to be? Right. And the answer that I heard was practice is going to be from one to four every day. Damn it. Is in my mind. <laughs> All my grad school classes are at what time? One to four p.m. One to 4 p.m. And at that moment, I had to decide and say, is there something or ask myself, right? Like, is there something I can do with my energy and my time? If I have something else I can do with my energy and my time and it's going to be valuable to me, then I probably need to walk away. And that was the moment where I was like, you know what? Thanks for the opportunity. I'm paying X number of dollars to get my master's in sports psychology. I know my brain is going to take me farther than my body will. Here's your paperwork back. I'm going to go to school. Right. But it, I think the part that made it easier is I knew and had something else to dedicate my time and my energy to. It's a struggle for people when they've only been an athlete, haven't tried anything, haven't gone to the career fairs at school, haven't had the internship, which can be difficult, but there's ways to do it. Just so you know, I've helped some athletes do that. Um, there's ways to do it to get other experiences. So as you get into the world, you realize that the shirt that says more than an athlete, you are actually more than an athlete because you did other things that were more than an athlete. But if you only do athletic endeavors, don't wear that shirt. <laughs> Why? Why? What else do you do? Um... Oh my gosh, that's so funny. No, no shots at anyone. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not taking shots at Someone's anyone. Someone's but... listening to this, like, wow, I feel personally <laughs> right. attacked by that. And they're gonna be taking the shirt off. I mean, you know, I gotta go figure something else out. Yeah, sorry, but but I think it's it's true, right? And I, I think I heard this on one of your other episodes where someone was talking about like the, the resources aren't there. Okay, I I really want to push. Have you really looked into the resources? And this is where like sometimes the support people can come in and help you. I've had several parents who have called me and say, Hey, what resources do you all have on campus? My kid is struggling. How do you meet with them? Yeah. Parents are calling me. The kids aren't calling me. Some athletes do. Right. But I think of like, who's going to help you and realize that you're struggling. But a part of that, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with your core group of people. So they can also help you figure out the resources that are available. I'm very thankful for Dante Witherspoon. He was one of my teammates in undergrad. I get there as a freshman. He's a psych major. I'm a psych major. All right. I got all the books. Here you go. Here's the professors you need to take. Here's this other scholarship that you can go get. Dude, thank you. <laughs> right. But he had the insight of I'm going to help you along the way. And I also took the help and I asked for the help. Uh, Dr. Anthony Hernandez changed my life only because I went to a brother's forum group, which was a group for African-American and other minority males in undergrad. And we had some meetings 
you know, there's always the, hey, if pizza's going to be here or food's going to be here, we'll have a speaker. Do you go to this speaker and see the speaker? Right? Do we go to those events that there's free pizza or food? Or do we say, I'm tired. I'm just going to go lay down or I'm going to go have fun. When I walked into that meeting, the first thing Dr. Hernandez said was, I help students get into grad school. You're my dude. <laughs> I need to talk to you. I'm like tearing up right now. But seriously, that's what he said. I help people get into grad school. If you're thinking about getting into grad school, make sure you come talk to me. I met with him. The dude literally got me into grad school. I got into Boston University. I don't know how. I found out later of like, I looked good on paper. They took a chance on me. But he helped me like shape everything to get there. And all I did was show up to a free event. That's it. Just showed up. Showing up is most of the battle. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I think that that's something especially student athletes can struggle with because they already have so much on their plate, right? Yep. So how do we get them to actually seek these things out and realize that this needs to be a priority? Yes, you have a lot going on, but you need to be able to fit this in. Most universities are going to have a lot of services that you already pay for. Maybe it's paid for through your scholarship. Um, I always encourage people, just be curious. And I almost ask the what if. Like Freshmen, when I do mental health screenings, I almost ask, like, hey, like, what are you going to do after this? Some people are like, I don't know. But I know on, on my work, I already planted that seed to get them to think about something else. All right. Someone has planted a seed. We'll see how that seed blossoms at some point. Um, when those events are there and they're promoted or someone comes to speak with you all, it can be easy to check out. I encourage you just check in, listen for the first five minutes. Hey, what are they talking about? And then ask yourself, can this help me at some point? And if it can like log it somewhere, put it in your phone, go tell your coach, Hey, that was helpful. So now your coach knows I need to keep this person around. Right. Um, I, I think for organizations in university, I'm very fortunate to be at Auburn. I worked with Megan Hushire down at Auburn U. We really figured out a schedule of what should be mandatory for people at what time of their athletic career. So my piece was transitions in and transitions out. So freshmen coming in, we're going to do a presentation to get them to one, meet other people on their team and other people on other teams. So I strategically did activities to get them moving, go meet someone else, get outside of your comfort zone because we know it's a new transition. The more support you have, the more people you know outside of your team, it's probably going to be better for you, right? Seniors don't need to be there. Seniors need to be at the one of transition out and the career, like, what do I do next? And how do I manage everything once I'm no longer an athlete? That's not mandatory for uh, sophomores and freshmen. So I think organizations have to think about timing, what's mandatory, what's not going to be mandatory. A big thing we started to do is talking to directors of operations and making sure those events were on the calendars and there's no conflicts. So the athlete can't say, oh, I can't make it because I have a conflict. We're traveling. We already planned for that. You can't be there. Just go. It's okay. Just go. And if anything, it's one hour out of your life. You can go play video games for an hour, or you can just show up to this thing for an hour, get some food, learn a little bit, and then leave. Everybody's happy. It's it's so tough because like I've been in the student athlete position, so have you. 
of mm-hmm. where, yeah, there's a lot of times where I was just checked out. And I think it, it's that you're like, you mentioned having the mindset of, could this possibly help me in the future? Whereas like mm-hmm. for me, my mindset was like, oh, I'm already mentally tough. I don't have right. anxiety. I don't have this, you know, mental health issue, whatever. Right. whatever. I, I'm fine. Like I'm good. I don't need this. I'm never going to need it. So right. I don't need to listen to this. Right. But I think, yeah, changing that mindset of like, but you might, you don't, mm-hmm. maybe you don't feel that you need it right now, but you might in the yeah. future. It's like talking to a freshman and, and telling them that they need to uh, build their resume for a career after mm-hmm. college. And they're like, why would I do that right now? I don't even know mm-hmm. what I want to do. And if I put on my student athlete lens for a little bit, it's, we always hear, I didn't think it would fly by so fast. Yeah, it, it flies by really fast. That freshman year is done in a blink. If you're a fall sport, that's done very quick come November. <laughs> and now it's, oh, I thought this was only sport. No, we got to do school for another semester. Let's go. Right. Next thing we know, we're in year three. Wait a minute. I got one more year and it goes by faster. So if you're not intentional, it can get, you can get lost in the shuffle at times. But, and I also recognize, right? Like, some people go to college because they want to play their sport. Your university is going to use you as much as possible. You better use them as much as possible too. For some athletes, um, they may not know, but I know my my um, university does this specifically where I went to grad school. We still do career services for athletes or even students once they graduate. If you're an alum, we'll still help you. So if you're an alumni, go see what other resources are still available to you. And sometimes they can still be free because at the end of the day, the university can say, oh, my gosh, we helped this student. They'll plaster you somewhere on another poster, just like they did when you were in undergrad playing. They'll do another video about you and talk about (laughs) your success stories. So they're going to use you. You better use them. That's so true. So it sounds like first step. If you are a student athlete, seek out what resources you have either provided from the athletic department or the campus university itself. Right. Right. Let's say they maybe go to a smaller school, don't they don't have the funds to provide specific resources for athletes or career development athletes. Maybe they, they do have a counselor on campus, but mm-hmm. that's the only thing that they have. And so they're booked up. You know, right. you can't see them for a week or two weeks and you're kind of in a position where, well, I need to talk to someone now. Mm-hmm. Where should those people start? That's a great question. I always think about starting inside and then work your way out and work with the people who you're closest with. Sometimes that you're, that's your support network. Many athletes, y'all go to the training room every single day, right? Did you do that? Oh, I was there quite often. <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah. For no reason sometimes. <laughs> right. And, and I'm just in there. Your athletic trainer, hopefully they, they're probably going to hear everything about your life, but some people trust their athletic trainer with everything. Ask them for assistance. Hey, this is something I'm concerned about, or um, can you help me get some other resources or find the resources? Hopefully they say yes, but they should know some other medical providers, maybe therapists in the area. That's one place to start. If you know there's a teammate who's very mentally sound, hey, what do you do? Who do you talk to? If anyone see what direction they push you in. Try to ask your director of operations. Part of their job is to run operations, make sure they go smoothly, make connections with people who are in the community as part of their role and responsibility. 
they can poach you in the right direction. Sometimes there are special assistance funds within athletic departments that can probably pay for your therapy if you need it. Um, psychology today is one place you can start searching for sports psychology professionals or just therapists in general. I'd probably say therapists in general. There's some sports psychology people who are on there. The association for applied sports psychology is another way that people can search for a sports psychology professional. You'll probably see it labeled as certified mental performance consultant. And those people are mostly trained in sports psychology, but there are some individuals who are trained in sports psychology in addition to therapy, just like myself. Um, and sometimes it's really when you find that professional, maybe you Google them and type in sports psychology, different names pop up. Send them an email, send them a message. See if you can schedule a 15 minute, 20 minute consultation. I know I do those for free just to see if it's a good fit and if I can help that person. And once you tell them some of your concerns, a great question to ask is, how can you help me with this? And if they can't, they're not your person. And that's okay. Move on to the next. And when you find the person who says, oh, here's like the plan that I'll probably put you on, or here's some things we can probably work through, whether it be um, helping you navigate the fear of failure, giving you some strategies to build your confidence. Maybe we're doing some visualization and that resonates with you and it sits with you. And you're like, yes, this is exactly what I need. Then we got to figure out the financial part. It's okay to ask if they have a sliding scale, which means let's say someone charges 200 bucks, maybe because of your financial situation, they have some spots that are open and they can do it for hundred bucks, sometimes 50 bucks. Maybe there's a student discount that they do. I was always a fan of when I was an undergrad in saying, if it's free, it's for me. And if it's and if it's half nice, I'm going to try to get it for half price. <laughs> right. But at least asking the question, is there anywhere there's flexibility on pricing because I'm in X type of situation? Um Sometimes it's also asking your athletic department if there's any money in the special assistance fund. Does your coach have anything that they can do? Is there a free webinar that you can do online? Is there a book you can read, a workbook? I've had some athletes where I've literally given them a workbook and they've been good with the workbook. And that's all they needed. Sometimes it was just a check-in and a conversation. But yeah, go use all the resources that are available and exhaust the free ones before you have to pay for it. If you don't yeah, have thank money. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We most, most college students don't. Right. Um, yeah, thank you for for sharing those. And and like we mentioned earlier, we'll hopefully work together and kind of compile a list right. of some resources, books, things um, that I can share then on our Instagram page and on our website. So I would, if you're listening and interested, keep an eye out for those things because um, I am someone who is always learning about new resources and will mm -hmm. always share when and where I can yeah. as much as possible because I am obviously not a professional licensed professional in this field by any means. Um, but I can help you find those people for sure. And, and you're doing some great work just so you know, like it does not go unnoticed. I see some of the things you put out. I'm like, man, this is great. And you have a space where people can get the resources when sometimes that's all they need. I just need a space to find it. And once I find it, I'll go run with it because I've been trained to do these things. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Adrian, this has been amazing. I have learned a lot. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Same. Do you have anything else you want to make sure we cover, touch on before we kind of wrap things up? If any parting thought that I would leave um, for the athletes, the listeners out there, control what you can control. 
control what you can control. There's going to be several influences that pull you in several different directions. You can control how you talk to yourself. You can control how you start to regulate your body. The more you can figure out how to control those controllables, the better off you're going to be as an athlete, as a person. I love it. Thank you. And if, if people are interested in finding out more about you and your practice, potentially doing a consult with you, where can they find you? Great question. Easiest way to find me, dradrianferreira.com. Or you can find me on Instagram, Twitter at DrAdrianFerrer.com. That's Dr. D-R-A-D-R-I-A-N-F-E-R-R-E-R-A.com. And I'll put that in the show notes too. So it'll be oh, easy to find. you can just Google it. Google <laughs> it. A journey forward. I'm always about forward movement, just so you all know. I'm helping people progress. Lovely. Thank you. Well, to end all my podcasts, I like to do a positive affirmation. So can you give us a positive affirmation for yourself? positive affirmation for myself it's going to be hard but keep going it's going to be hard but keep going i love it well hold on hold on i just vulnerable i was vulnerable (laughs) with the audience (laughs) what is yours ma'am let's wrap this thing up or how this is one of the things i do like after sessions right what's one thing you're taking away from today Okay, my, well, I'll do both. I'll do my biggest okay. takeaway and then a, a positive affirmation. I think my biggest takeaway is that just not that all athletes are the same, but we mm-hmm. all struggle and like there are so many commonalities amongst us. Like mm-hmm. even today in our talk, you know, you gave us a different perspective on a lot of things and, and taught me and probably my listeners a lot of new things, but there were also things that we've kind of touched on, but got a different perspective on today. And just knowing that we all have our own stories, but we can Mm -hmm. relate to each other. And then also just the resources, the resources, big takeaway for me, you know, where to start. Cause that's something Mm -hmm. I struggled with. That's why the athlete confidential exists is because I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to go about it. So take advantage of those, those little pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, Love it. Yeah. And then my positive affirmation for myself is just going to be one day at a time and you will be fine. Ooh, one day at a time and you'll be fine. I love it. I know. They even rhymes. I didn't mean it yeah. to, but. <laughs> it's a great okay. day. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Everyone, Dr. Adrian Pereira. Amazing. Well, you guys, as always, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you don't already, please go follow us on Instagram at The Athlete Confidential. And I look forward to speaking to you guys soon. Remember, we are all humans first and athletes second. See ya.